Welcome into episode 42 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by my friends Travis Graff and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Travis, what's going on, man? How are you? What's good? What's good? I'm doing fantastic, fantastic weather today. It's been, it was in the 50s a couple days ago now it's in the 80s so summertime's just right around the corner man i'm telling you when i when i walked outside for the first time and it was 80 degrees i was like oh man i'm going to the park uh, i was gonna go throw throw the pig skin around a little bit with my wife and you know just have have a good little day you know and hey, can we get to that story today that you were telling me oh uh, which story i don't know which one you're talking about uh-huh. we got a <laughs> semi-pro football player on our hands <laughs> david did, did did i tell you about that no, I've not heard about it. Okay, sounds well, like a new, sounds like a newlywed story to me. Well, okay, so since since Travis went ahead, and, you and your and, wife are still doing things together, so I know it's a newlywed story. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Okay, so I told Travis this earlier, um, or when it happened, but. So I was I went up to the park here in Richmond and it's a, it's like a, this little middle school football field nothing special. Um, we went up there we were throwing the throwing the football around actually Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country you know he's a he's a good buddy of mine he stopped in with his girlfriend and uh, the, and you know they were on their way to Lexington for something we were throwing the football around just hanging out having a good time and this dude was he we noticed he pulled up on the on the fence line and he was sitting there watching watching us throw. And, you know, I, I first noticed, and I was like, oh, it's, he's going to come up and say, oh, you're trespassing. you got to get off. You know, this is a this is a private football field. You got you know, I thought that's that was going to be the talk. This dude walks all the way around the fence line, comes in on, onto the football field, and he walks up to me and he says, uh, hey, uh, are you over 18 years old? I said, uh, yeah. He said, do you live in this area by chance? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I live right up the street, assuming he's going to say, well, you know, you're trespassing. I need you to get off this football field. He says, um, I'm the uh, coach and owner of the uh, Richmond Stingers, a, a semi-pro football league in, in in this city. And I was interested – I was wondering if you were interested in playing semi-pro football. <laughs> so, me uh, having not played football in, oh, I don't know, six years, seven years, eight years. I don't even know off the top of my head how long it's been. Um I obviously said, well, of course I'd be interested in playing semi-professional football. And, uh, uh, you know, he was asking me about, oh, what position would you play? He asked if I could kick field goals. I said, no, absolutely not. He said, oh, well, can you play offensive line? I said, uh, no, absolutely not. But I used to play defensive end. I used to play outside linebacker. I could play tight end. You know, I'm I'm, I'm flexible. So, uh, yeah, this, this uh, random stranger came up and asked me last week if I wanted to play semi-professional football, David. What do you think about that? Travis, have you already gotten the interview? <laughs> yeah i wanted to interview him on the spot I, I i rated him i saw his the film that he had sent me i think he's a two-star kind of under the radar but yeah, i was going to ask how many stars yeah two star for sure so but, can, can i get my ri- my rivals connects yeah yeah I'll, I'll get your profile made tonight okay the speed's the issue he runs like a solid five eight a five eight you got to give me some credit i, I can run faster than a five eight Travis, do I mean uh, uh, Jack? Do this. Go on Twitter, make you a video, or or and and say that you narrowed it down to eight schools: Kentucky, Alabama, Ohio State, blah blah blah, and, and see how and see how many people bite on it. 
<laughs> I can be the the latest kid to commit to Kentucky over over the the national powerhouses. I if I were a high level profile pro, uh, high profile recruit, I would never turn down uh, my beautiful home state of Kentucky. I would 100% stay in in state and play for Mark Stoops and the Kentucky Wildcats. But yeah, it was a that was a, a conversation I was not expecting on what what Thursday night whenever that was. Um, so he asked me if I could kick. I told him at the time I couldn't. But then, of course, ever since he, you know, once he once he left, I decided to see if I could kick field goals. And then today, I was actually when I did go to the park and and uh, and played some football. I was I was regularly drilling like twenty five to thirty yarders. Like I mean, I think I went four for five uh, from that distance. So I obviously like never kicked in my entire life. Like this is all brand new for me. But. Um, yeah, I, I, there's no way in, in hell that I actually, like, go through with it and, and make it a, a legitimate thing. But it was definitely an interesting interesting experience, uh, uh, 100%. Uh, David, I didn't even ask how you're doing and, and how you enjoyed this beautiful day. How are you? Well, I'm good. I don't have any stories to match out with that one. Um, <laughs> now, I'll tell you this. If if I was going to play football right now at my age, uh, kicking is about the only thing I'd do. Now, if I, somebody was out there wants to pay me to kick, I'll do it. Well, did you see the thing? It's kind of like Jack's like McCurr Maker in a way. McCurr Maker's seven foot, but wants to play a guard spot. Jack Pilgrim can hit 35 yard field goals, but wants to play defensive line. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I I might be, I I might, I'm like, I'm I'm like DeAndre Williams. I'm 75 years old. I do, I do like how oh, he's. I was going to say something, but I'm going to refrain. I like how he's. I like how he, uh, DeAndre Williams is getting older with every new interview and new, you know, recruiting update. With his, yeah, I, th- I think they they mentioned it on KSR this morning. He's like 35 at this point, um, in in all the latest interviews. Okay, enough nonsense. Yeah. Okay, we're we're completely off the rails to even start this thing. But okay, as, you know, as the dust has settled on Olivier Sars, you know, commitment. There's obviously still a bunch going on in the world of recruiting and, and roster news and all that good stuff. So, the but the biggest kind of talking point that everybody's worried about right now is DeAndre Williams, the Evansville transfer, and, and just kind of what the heck is going on with him. So, you know, when we recorded this show last week, I believe it was Wednesday when, when Olivier Saar committed, uh, things were brand new with Williams. I mean, we talked to um, his mentor and former head coach, you know, he said that that contact had just been made the week before on Sunday. They had their first, you know, f- official phone call and that that you know Zoom conference call between all parties. So things were brand new. Um, the conversations that I had, and I believe David, I, th- I think you talked to Coach Roy once around that time. Um, none of the conversations any of us had kind of led us to believe that he was really leaning anywhere. I mean, the, um, the, you know, the conversations were kind of vague, like, Oh, we like all of these schools. And, you know, they, he, he was obviously high on Kentucky, but nothing they said ever made me felt feel like Kentucky was the end choice. Um, and then, uh, like Thursday or so, I mean, things really ramped up. Kentucky rumblings kind of started around lunchtime and then going into the afternoon. Um, Travis, what kind of went into those those positive updates and, and the, the, you know, kind of the optimism going into Thursday evening that kind of made everybody think this kid very well may end up being a Kentucky Wildcat? Well, see, at the big, after Sar committed, I'd heard that the plan was going to be for Anselm and Sar. Because, like I've talked about, that logistically made the most sense. And I heard from somebody close to the program that that was going to be the case. That Anselm was going to be their guy. Well, then we all got word that uh, David and I had talked to people in his in Anselm's circle. And 
they actually cut Kentucky uh, the day after. And so all the attention turned to DeAndre Williams at that point. DeAndre Williams, UK did, at first didn't know like where his interest level was going to be and all that. And turns out he was really interested. Like UK, people around UK thought that there was a high possibility that they were going to be able to seal the deal. And that's whenever he was talking about committing on that Sunday or Monday. And Sunday or Monday passed and David and I both talked to people and Jack and talked to people as well. It seemed kind of like Kentucky was fading and then everything went radio silent on UK's end. So I got the same vibe from them. And I think Jack Pilgrim did a fantastic job of kind of laying out the Kentucky roster to to Williams' <laughs> circle. And I think that that's what really moved the needle in this recruitment. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't that be funny? Well, I mean, okay, so, yeah, the Thursday night buzz picked up significantly. I mean, there were, you know, Matt, my boss, he tweeted out, um, you know, I'm hearing that Kentucky's pushing for a commitment. I mean, there was a bunch of buzz from from several and, of the big uh, names. Uh, let me specify, uh, Jack's been talking about Thursday, the stuff he heard. I had talked to somebody on Fridays whenever I started hearing the stuff from Kentucky side that they felt like they were confident going into the weekend. Yeah, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday, what, whatever the day no, was. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever the day was, there was significant optimism going into that. So, on Friday during the day, I reached back out to Coach Roy and I was like, "All right," because because he had told me in the past that he was planning on um, a, a Thursday night phone call between Coach Cal, you know, another conference call with all of the parties. I believe it was Kenny Payne, Coach Cal. DeAndre Williams and in this coach um, and I reached out to you know ask how that call had gone and all that um, and the you know the call went it started out fine you know talking about oh yeah things are going really well contacts picking up you know thing you know we really like them a whole lot didn't you know I kind of asked him about this this optimism about Kentucky you know there's some reports out there that's saying like he's going to end up committing to Kentucky like there's there's legitimate buzz and he didn't kind of shy away from the fact that that like there was legitimacy to those rumors so I was like man I'm you know I'm feeling pretty solid about this and then toward the end of our my conversation with him I was like you know talk to me about fit you know what what is coach Cal talking about you know how he's going to fit into the roster do they kind of see him you know having that Keon Brooks role are they kind of going to share the floor together you know what what is that and he kind of paused for a second he was like you know uh you know here I have the exact quote in front of me he said you also have to look at the fact that there's a lot of guys fighting for that four spot on the roster. You look at the point guard, Devin Askey, you look at the two five-star wings he brought in. Somebody's got to be a two and somebody's got to be a three. Saar is at the five. So the way I look at it, there is there is a lot of there are a lot of guys fighting for that four spot. And then he said, that's not saying DeAndre won't fight for that spot. I'll just never i I'll never take away his competitiveness and and how he can play. Um but it's still worth mentioning that there are a lot of guys at that four spot. I didn't know there were that many. And it was like, okay, that's kind of an odd thing to say, considering, you know, they've been talking for a full week. You'd think that would be something, you know, roster management and how, how he would fit into the roster would be something Coach Cal and the staff would address with him or that they would ask Coach Cal and the staff about how he would fit. So that kind of caught me off guard and – you know, oddly enough, it, you know, immediately after that was when, you know, the, he, he had told me that it was going to be a Sunday or, or Monday. Things went silent from there, and then the Kentucky stuff completely faded out. So, uh, David, you know, what what did you hear, um, you know, from that kind of that point on? Did you – you had some positive Kentucky updates as well, if I if I recall correctly. What, do you, what did you hear about how, you know, kind of from that moment on, how things kind of unfolded? I think a lot of it was excitement 
uh, from Kenneth Roy, uh, and I'm sure from DeAndre as well, as this thing started out. And I talked to him right after. The second time I spoke with him was right after he had spoken to Coach Calipari for the first time. And I'm telling you, man, he was like a kid in a candy store or a kid at Christmas. I mean, he was the most excited I've ever heard an individual and I was happy for him but I think that was really the first time that he had had one of his players recruited on that level and you know he just kept talking about that and then he kind of got on he knows he's he's doing the right thing and they're going about it the right way and they want to continue to get kids that can get recruited on that level and man he was really it was really like a rah-rah speech he was really pumped up but as as it grew Later into the week, and we did a story where I spoke with the rivals riders from Memphis, Arkansas, and Baylor. And they were all like, we, we thought it was going to come down to Kentucky or Baylor and really didn't know which one. But they were all like, look, there's not really a fit here. The rosters are full. Everybody's waiting to see if there are certain players that are going to stay in a draft or they're going to come back. And as I got to looking at that, I was like, you know, this, these four teams, because I'll be honest with you, they, I think they did about as much research on the rosters as I did. <laughs> and uh, uh, I just looked at it and I said, there's no fit here in any of the four. There's no fit. And it was one of the oddest things. And then when he put it off Saturday, and to me it became obvious Saturday night, just calling around a little bit that uh, – and then an individual told me, he said, look, they're going to, they're just backing off. They're going to reweigh uh, these rosters and they're going to look at them. And I, I, I talked again today. I talked to, to each rider, Baylor, Memphis, and Arkansas. And it looks like Memphis is where it's trending right now. But one of them told me, he said, you know, it's really just a bad look because they obviously didn't do a lot of homework on the roster fits and on the lineups and on fit in general. And then they had to regroup uh, really after they had made a decision or, or made an announcement when they were going to decide. So uh, I, I think they had to, to go back to, to plan A and or square A rather. And, and it's like you said, um, you know, Kentucky, I think, really kind of backed off a little bit with that. They had SAR in hand, and they had to, uh, you know, I, I know both of you guys told me, I'll give you guys credit for it, you were talking about maybe him wanting some promises that Coach Kelly Perry couldn't do, and, and nothing under underhanded, just the you know, amount of touches, positions, just basically stuff on the floor, and and just stuff that Coach Calum Perry couldn't promise. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of that right there is where things kind of went south. I think they were sold on Kentucky. I think if a commitment had happened Thursday or Friday, it I mean it would have one hundred percent been Kentucky. And I think after they kind of took a step back and looked at the rosters, I guess of all four schools, but specifically Kentucky, and kind of said they have Olivier Saar. They have Keon Brooks, who is, you know, penciled in as a starter at the four. They have Lance Ware and Isaiah Jackson, who by, you know, at least one service, they're, they're both five stars. You know, they kind of look at that roster and go, okay, 
where exactly do I fit here? And when you think of his situation and the journey he's been on, I mean, he's been through, I mean, he's been through Juco. He's had to sit out of your, you know, declared ineligible. And, and I mean, he's, he's 23 years old right now. He's going to be 24 in October when this, you know, by the time the season starts, he's going to be a 24 year old junior. And I think on, on, you know, his end, he's thinking, okay, I, you know, my clock's running out. Like my college clock is running out. I, if I want to make this jump to the NBA, I don't have time for a, a screw-up year. I don't have time to, to you know, make the wrong choice. So when he, you know, jumped back into the rosters and started looking looking at things, I mean, I think the buzz of him, you know, kind of going back to the drawing board and, re- you know, potentially reopening his recruitment or even just saying, screw it, I'm going pro, I think there was a lot of – I think there's a lot of truth to that coming out of the weekend, you know, that – that Monday and then Tuesday, you know, I really do think that there was a lot of buzz about, you know, that he very well may end up changing his mind and say, screw it. I'm just going to, you know, reopen things again and see, see what schools I can go, you know, go at. Um, If he does go to Memphis, uh, I I think what's happened is he feels like, or maybe he's being told that is the best opportunity for one of these guys to go pro because Arkansas and Baylor, he's, you know, we got Isaiah Joe, of Arkansas, you've got two players at Baylor, but I think Landers Nolly is the guy that they're really looking at. And, and having talked with Isaac Simpson a little bit uh, for over the last week, and he's got a really good pulse on what's going on at Memphis. Uh, they're not so sure, even though he's transferring from Virginia Tech, that he'll ever end up on campus. So uh, I think that's uh, c- kind of what they're banking on. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, go for it. Go ahead. Um, my thing with DeAndre Williams is I can't I just he's just a typical six ten forward that's not really bulky that thinks that they're Kevin Durant if they can step outside and hit a three. Yeah. And everybody wants to be a big guard or a big wing and his game doesn't really translate to the wing and that's what him and his camp wanting him to be is a wing. He's the stretch four all the way and I just we'll get to this here later. It's something I wanted I told Jack I want to do, but I'm kinda happy that UK didn't add him, honestly, um, barring some unforeseen circumstance. But I think that I'm 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 content with the guys that UK has. I think that adding DeAndre Williams would do more harm than good long term uh, because he's not a can't miss prospect. Only only way that I could see him really helping Kentucky is if Sar. Well, I mean, he'd definitely help, but I think that there would be chemistry issues. Um, let me clarify that. But if Sar was ineligible and Williams was eligible and came in, but at the same time, Williams wants to play the three. He's not going to help at the five. And yeah. I think that there was just a lot of miscommunication between the parties, and they couldn't really find a common ground. And I've heard that from multiple people that he's more worried about stats, scoring, um, minutes, more than what UK – what UK's pitch is, which is come here, show what you can do. Like your per, your per 40s are going to be great if you just give it all. You're all on the court. You you could start, but it's probably going to be at the four if you start, and might not even start. And I think that he's just going to go somewhere where he's content on getting shots. But at the same time, you look at the places where he's his other finalists. There's not really guaranteed shots on those rosters either. And I've heard that there's a couple other teams that reached out. I don't really think that anything really came to fruition with those teams, but I think that at the end of the day, it just wasn't a good fit for Kentucky. Yeah. I agree 100% with what Travis said in, in saying that he's the reason he's kind of glad uh, or 
that that he didn't sign on is because you know Kyle Tucker had said it in a tweet, and you guys know there's nobody anywhere that's pushing for to give Isaiah uh, Jackson a Lance Ware, especially Isaiah, to give them time the way I've been because I mean these are both like you said, Jack, five star prospects, and 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 we talked about it. Dan McDonald says that he thinks Isaiah by the time he's done in college will be the best post player out of anybody in the 2020 class. And I, you know, since Calipari has been at Kentucky, he's built the whole thing on, on turning these freshmen loose and letting them play and throwing them in a fire. And I, I, I like that SARS there. And I think we all like proven success with players and, and uh, some experience, but man, I'm telling you, I, I, I just want to see, Isaiah Jackson, the Lance Ware, and, and Keon Brooks as a sophomore. I want to see those guys get reps, and, and I, I think it could be a very good front court next year. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I think I think there was a, a like that a final conversation with with Kentucky where after DeAndre Williams and his camp kind of reevaluated things and said, okay, we, you know, we got to figure out where these minutes are going to come from, and and you know they approached Kentucky and said, where are these minutes going to come from, and I. I I wouldn't be shocked if the response that that Calipari gave, you know, I mean, we know we know his pitch more than anybody about, you know, you, you nothing is promised when you come in here. You got to come in here and fight for everything you want. And I think when Calipari, you know, when when he came asking about, okay, where are my minutes going to come from? And it was a you tell me where your minutes are coming from. This is on you to fight for your spot. You know, it, with that kind of interaction, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if that was kind of the all right, well, this is obviously not going to be the the right fit for me. Kentucky, you know, they're, they're, you know, I think Kyle Tucker came out and said that Kentucky backed away from the table, and I, I think I think I don't know if it was a mutual thing as much as you know they both just kind of came to the understanding of like, yeah, this is you know you want one thing, we want another. I just don't think it's going to work. So yeah, I, I think it, at the end of the day, I think things are going to work work out uh, for the better. Um, as you guys both talk about how content you are with the rosters. We have more McCur Maker rumors. Isn't that just exciting, guys? <laughs> Yay, golf clap. <laughs> okay, so um, John Rothstein kind of well when McCur Maker he put his name in the draft back in back in April, um, and everybody kind of said, "Well, go figure." Everybody knew that was coming, and then he came back out with an interview with Evan Daniels where he said, "Well, whoa, 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 I'm not 100% tied into the NBA draft. I'm definitely considering going back to college or going to college rather," um, and named his top four options. He said, "You know, Auburn." Kentucky, UCLA, and uh, Oregon were his were his top four. And then John Rothstein this past week, you know, in the midst of all of this DeAndre Williams scuttlebutt, which was kind of weird, really weird timing, came out and said that the two favorites in this recruitment were Kentucky and UCLA. And everybody was kind of like, oh, does this mean that, you know, after, you know, backing away a little bit from DeAndre Williams, that they went all in on, on McCurr Maker? How, you know, where, where does this fit in? How is, how is this going? So I reached out to Ed Smith, his guardian, this past week, and I, I talked to him for about 30 minutes on the phone and, you know, le- learned a whole lot of really good stuff. He basically, you know, if you ever talked to, to Ed Smith in the past, you know, you, you know, dealing with Thon Maker and, and, you know, the, 2015, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, you know, time frame. Um, and then again with Mature Maker, you know, they've had a, a couple guys that have gone, you know, come through. Um, but if you've ever talked to him in the past, you know that he's very open about, 
you know, the professional idea and talks about why he's so fond of that and, and all that. But, you know, still still hinting about colleges and all that. So when I talked to him, um, he basically told me about, you know, what NBA teams thought about him, said that the that teams are intrigued, but they also know that there's not enough film on him. He was he he sat out for five months back in the fall with or five weeks rather with a, a high ankle sprain, right in kind of the heat of high school basketball season and during various camps and all that. So teams don't think that there's enough film on him right now. They want to get their hands on him and kind of, you know, figure out what the heck he is as a player. And with no workouts, I think they're kind of in this holding pattern of, you know, we don't know if teams are high on him, if those they're low on him. Um, Ed said specifically that he sees him as a lottery talent, thinks that he could go as high as the lottery, um, but he's waiting for more feedback to see. If you look at any of the draft boards, he's not even remotely close to that high, if, if at all, in the first round. Um, he's lucky to be in, in sniffing some second-round grades. So th- there's a lot of, of wait and see, but they said uh, – he said specifically that they're going to wait until the last final minute uh, to, to withdraw if he does. Um, but if that time does come, that Kentucky – he did confirm to me that Kentucky and UCLA were the top two options. He said that uh, he remains in you know regular contact with Kenny, uh, Kenny Payne, said that um, – um, that that he'll he'll reach out every once in a while asking Kenny Payne, you know, how are things going? What's the roster looking like? Kenny Payne will call him and ask him about, you know, feeling things out. But I didn't come away from that conversation with him. I did think more likely um, than usual that he was going to come back, that he was potentially going to go to college. But nothing in that whole conversation made me think, A, that Kentucky was going to be the final option if he did go to college, and B, that there was a legitimate chance that he that, that he would go. I, I, I think even after my conversation with, with him, um, I'm, I'm still – 100% leaning toward the professional route. Um, Travis, have you heard anything else on McCurmaker, and do you think this is a legitimate shot even in the slightest? I mean, it might be a decent shot, but I don't expect it to happen. And first, I'll be the first to say, I think McCurmaker is overrated. I think that he's overhyped just based off of people watching highlight videos of the seven-foot guy that can dribble somewhat at his size. And People love seven-footers, and Thonmaker was perceived as a unicorn, and I think the hype moved on to McCurmaker, but his fall in the rankings really speaks for itself. And if he came to Kentucky, I don't see him averaging more than five and five as a freshman. Um, I don't, I, like I said before, I believe that a maker goes to college whenever I see it, and until then, I'm not going to predict it. Uh, David, do you kind of share that same sentiment? Eric Bossy, I think it was Eric. Uh, wrote recently he had a question during the week on makers chances and he said he would put it right now at about 20 percent that he would go to college so if that case let's say that's true that it's 20 percent i would probably put ucla at about 70 30 so whatever 30 percent is a 20 a third so what about a seven percent yeah tra- travis why don't you why don't you take this one over yeah hold on let me do that yeah <laughs> So, so um, the thing is, uh, I'm not sure what the eligibility is. That those things have come up. I'm not sure what they are because there's just a thought, not necessarily that hey, he wants to go pro, but even if he decided to go college, he would be in a situation to do that. I, I don't know. I don't know if they are holdups on that end, or and if so, what they are. I've been trying to find out. I haven't found out a whole lot. Uh, but 
you know, from talking to him a year ago, because I interviewed Ed in Birmingham at the Adidas Nationals uh, last July. And at that time, I was like, you know, he's 100% going going pro. Mm -hmm. But at that time, they had, that was before COVID-19, and they had the option. They were really looking internationally, Australia, maybe Europe. And when I talked to Ed a couple of weeks ago, he was like, no, that's off the table. We're not going to do that. And we're not going to go G League. And his words were, college is not a bad option. He said, so we're either going to go to, you know, if, if we don't go where we like in the NBA, we're going to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't, I can see a path where they don't get what they want in the draft, like you guys have already said. And then I'm going to be very interested to see what they do because, according to Ed, if it's not there, they are going to go college route. But like I say, there, there's a lot of things, I think, behind the scenes. Uh, I don't want to guess about it. Uh, so I'm going to be interested to see. I think the date's June 15th when they can come out. I am interested June 14th, June 15th to see what they do. I think... Let me ask you guys a question. Would you all rather not add anybody? Or would you rather add DeAndre Williams or McCur Um See, I think okay, and we're talking guarantees here that, but that all of, you know. Let's let's throw Frank Anselm into this little uh, situation too. Even though even though he's not going to Kentucky, you know they they've cut each other. But in terms of hypotheticals of of you know, past and current targets. Let's throw him into the ring. Say all of them are eligible. Is that, are we, you know, is it, is it a guarantee that any of the three could play? Yeah. It, they're all guaranteed to play. They can all be eligible. Would you rather add somebody or go with the roster as is? Hmm. David, David, let's start with you on that one. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> Thanks a I lot. would – I'm just one of those, like I said, I want to give Isaiah the, – the thing I don't like about all this, and not from our end, but just the whole thing, is that, you know, uh, Isaiah uh, and Lance are just like uh, uh, you married them like two or three years ago, and, and, and now you're, you're out shopping around because uh, you might see somebody that looks a little better. <laughs> and and they don't necessarily look better. We just got used to what we had. And I don't – I just, like I said, I want to see them give those guys shots. And either way it goes, uh, DeAndre, like you say, he's a stretch four. Well, you can put Isaiah at the four, too. And if you do that, you're already three deep at the four spot. And then uh, if you – Isaiah could kind of go either way. And But either way you do it, if you bring in McCore Maker – uh, I kind of agree with Jack. I don't know that he necessarily likes to play inside, but you still got five posts. Guys play four and five. You're, you got five. Somebody's the odd man out. And it may come down like it was with Quad A Green two years ago when guards are dropping, they can't make a shot. And everybody was saying, man, I wish you would have stayed. And we heard some of the rumblings last year when the roster starts going down a little bit. And everybody's like, man, I wish Khalil Whitney would have stayed. And we, we may hear the same thing again, but I like it being four deep. I, I, I was like four, you know, four's company, five's a crowd. And, yes. and I, I don't want that fifth guy. I'll be honest. Now, Anselm maybe as a red shirt, and then you can bring him in. Now, he's obviously out of the three players. 
he's he's the least talented of the three. And I don't know in, in, in two years if you did that what you would have, but you're almost in a situation where, you know, what could it hurt? It's one of those high risk, low reward. I mean, uh, uh, low risk, high reward deals. Yeah, I, I think I think you bring up a really good point, and I think there there are three character. There's a characteristic with each of them that I think is a you know kind of a turnoff for for you know what they bring to the table, but also a, a turnoff with DeAndre Williams. A, he's experienced. He's been, you know, he's been, you know, he's played D one games before. He's won at Rupp Arena once. You know, he you, you bring that to the table, but at the same time you know that he is already asking for minutes and shots, and what will that do for chemistry? So I think the, you know the, those potentially cancel each other out. With McCurr Maker, he's the kind of guy that I don't know if he you know he's he's one of those such high potential guys that you you know you are kind of interested in. Go man, it, you know if he could be what everybody kind of makes him out to be, if he could kind of reach his his ceiling while he's at Kentucky, man, to have that kind of guy could 100% push you. But it, you know, same thing with DeAndre Williams. Is it, does he a guy that has been so focused on the NBA draft and and just being a professional basketball player for so long? Does he see this? This opportunity and think okay I got to get mine I got to make sure I do whatever it takes to get to the NBA as fast as I can and you know it, you know if he gets a little selfish along the way if he kind of starts you know fishing for shots and fishing for minutes and opportunities and reps you know if if that will create some type of of dynamic issue and Anselm I mean Dude, I've been talking to people close to the prolific program that he's not any better in terms of any of this stuff. That he's a guy that, you know, the exact quote I got the night that that they kind of mutually parted ways, the quote that I got was, Frank thinks he's a one and done. It's like, A, if you've ever seen Frank play, there's no way in hell that, that, that he's a one and done. And B, it's like, how could he even think – I've heard that there's like an accountability thing that, you know, he would drop passes out of bounds last year at, 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 you know, you know, turn the ball over and all that. And he'd kind of blame his teammates or, you know, he kind of, he'd get put on the bench and he'd sulk a little bit. And like, he, he didn't realize that any of the, some of the issues were him. And they said, that's why Calipari needed to go to him and address him head on and say, dude, if you go to Kentucky, you, you know, you need to make sure that you realize that you are going to redshirt this year, that this is a long-term commitment, and you better be prepared to sit on the bench to start your career. And I think when that final conver- – I think that conversation did happen last week where they kind of, uh, you know, approached him and said redshirt is a possibility. They said, no, nah, I'm not redshirting at all. There's no way I go to a school that redshirts. So having that – you know, into this dynamic, I don't know if I'd be comfortable bringing him in as a potential, you know, locker room risk at all. Like, as things stand right now, I don't want to be the, the guy that just sits here and, and and agrees with all three of you guys. It doesn't make it f- for a fun debate. Um, but I, I mean, I see, I see all three of you. I see both of your points, and I see, you know, risk rewards with with all three of them. But as of right now, I'd 100% keep the roster as is. Um, you know, even if that might be a boring take for for our listeners, I just think as things There's, stand, I think the staff is very com- com- comfortable with with uh, how the roster is right now. There's something to be said too for team chemistry, and you've never heard one peep about Sar, Keon Brooks, Isaiah Jackson, or Lance Ware ever saying, "Hey, this is what I need. This is what I. I, I it's got. It's got to be about me. This is what I have to have for me to come there." It, I mean. Everything I know about all four guys is just, and we know it with Keon Brooks, man. It was just as team oriented as it could be. Yeah, I mean, and and look what happened with Keon. He 
hung in there. He was patient. He knew that he wasn't getting reps. He knew he wasn't going. And what did Calipari, John Calipari, the last play of the season, said, Keon, this is your team. Take this thing over. Like, I mean, holy crap. That's talking about, you know, just a, a, a character development of the season. Holy crap. I mean, that was awesome for him. And I think Keon can provide the production that end of the season freshman P.J. Washington provided. I think he could be a 10-7 and seven guy. I'll, I'll take sophomore P.J. Washington's fair to him. But I think end of the season freshman P.J. Washington, different different playing styles, but uh, similar impact. And when you have an Olivier Saar that's a thirteen and nine guy or fourteen and nine guy, and you have two dynamic scoring guards in B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark, and a facilitator in Davion Mintz and, and Devin Askew, you don't need Keon to be more than a, a ten and seven guy. That's exactly what. Kentucky needs him to be next year to, you know, to break out. I think the roster as it is right now is beautiful, but I think the key right now is getting Olivier Saar eligible, and I think that's where we need to transition right now. Um, the latest of what we've heard on that front and, and uh, you know, the confidence level on, on Saar's side of things and Kentucky's side of things. Um, Travis, real quickly, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit um, in, in passing about about SARS eligibility and kind of the latest with that. Um, kind of update update our listeners on, on what you know on that front. Well, obviously, everybody I've talked to at UK, um, not at UK, anybody, myself, nobody knows what the NCAA is going to do. But I feel every, the people I talked to around Kentucky's program told me that they would not have taken him at, if he had to sit. Yeah. So, I mean – Obviously, that's somewhat wishful thinking, but I feel like Cal Perry knows that, like, some type of card that they can play to get him eligible. I feel like that, like, Cal Perry is powerful in a lot of ways. He knows a lot of people that know a lot of people that know a lot of people. And I think that this is, I think that he's going to be able to get him eligible. And I think, worst case, you lawyer up and fight the NCAA. But the problem is, if, you, if, if it came to that, and the process goes a while, and Sar can say, screw it, I'm going overseas yeah, because I'm not going to be able to play this season. It's not guaranteed. Yeah. It, but, I mean, but really, no, nobody knows. And, like, in conclusion, nobody really knows. But there's hopefulness and positivity coming from people at UK about the situation. Uh, David, have, have you heard anything that makes you feel, you know, all warm and fuzzy inside about Olivier Sar playing? No, uh, and it's not. I don't think anybody, as far as this situation, outside of the coach being fired at Wake Forest, that you can play that card, really can can say because for certainty because nobody knows. Um, you know, I I do um, uh, obviously work with rivals as well for Minnesota and Vanderbilt, and you um, you hear a lot. You know, we just in the past. All those teams have taken in transfers. Um, and I know Minnesota last year, um, uh, you know, we had Marcus Carr, and that was on the heels of Kevin Stallings, you know, at, at Pitt. So uh, I know they're kind of watching some of these teams, the fans that I've heard from, and, and saying that they don't see why guys ought to be eligible to be able to get eligible to other places when Marcus Carr couldn't get eligible. And, uh, you know, I would really like to go back and see, and, and maybe if I get some downtime this summer, it uh, doesn't look like we're going to be able to get out on AAU trips. If it slows down, I may be able to do it. And just take a look the last couple of years on all the coaches that have been fired 
and see what the uh, percentages of the ratio is of players being given uh, immediate eligibility uh, after their, their head coaches was fired and then they transferred schools. I really don't know how it stands. Uh, and, and, you know, you even go and you look at, at football. Uh, uh, why would, uh, I think, maybe Fields at Ohio State, the quarterback, you know, yep. I believe he got instant eligibility when some of the others didn't. Yeah. And, and Tate, I remember Tate you Martell too. Paul Feinbaum, and it'd be like, why in the world did he get eligible? And then somebody else would transfer from somewhere and their dad died and they moved closer to home or something like that. And the NCAA wouldn't give them eligibility. You know, it, it, there was no rhyme or reason. Uh, one thing, and I'll be quick here, I'm hoping the NCAA maybe with everything they've got going on and they've got a load trying to figure out what they're going to do with football season and then everything that goes with that, uh, uh, the bylaws and, and, and procedures that they're going to have to do. I just hope that they end up saying, screw it, man. We ain't got time to deal with all this. You know, this is so far back on the back burner of us here. You go ahead and play next year. Yeah, I, I think there are a couple things. I think one – Kentucky feels that they have a a legitimate case to present to the NCAA, and I think that in itself is you know means a lot that that there's some internal confidence there that that you know I think them getting support. I think that that they realize that um, that Wake Forest is now going to support this this move, and 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 that helps the the process. I think that's what helped. Um, Quade Green get eligible, you know, faster than he was supposed to. I think that's what helped Jamal Baker get get uh, eligible faster than he was supposed to at Arizona. So when when there's that mutual help in in trying to you know with these waivers and all that, on top of the fact that the NCAA is already set to decide on, you know, they've already said they want to get away from this waiver stuff and say it's a one time thing. You know, you get one and then get over it if you if you want to transfer from there you have to sit out a year no questions asked you get one chance and i think with that already going to be pa- you know they're they're already in the in the process of getting that passed whether that's voted for this year or next that's already in the works why would they sit down and, and nitpick right now when that's already going to be established for next season at the latest so it, when when you factor in all this stuff i just don't see a scenario where olivier sar is not eligible i just i just don't i just think it makes way too much sense on all sides of things i think it makes sense on kentucky's end wake forces in and the ncaa's in with how much is going on what they have to deal with and what's on their plate so if, if this helps, I talked to a college coach today, different situation in a program, and they've got a transfer in, not a grad transfer, but a regular transfer uh, who uh, would normally have to sit out a year. And I asked him today, I said, how do you feel about it? And he said, we feel as good as we could possibly feel about him being given eligibility. He said, we can't say anything now. Of course, you know, it's still down the road, but – he said we we couldn't feel any better about it, and and that's a guy whose coach wasn't fired. So yeah, you know, I, I hope that's that's some kind of a precursor, maybe. Yeah, I said this last week. I think if the NCAA, if there was a time for them to do right by these kids. And, you know, with all the stuff going on, canceling last season and the NCAA tournament and, you know, conference tournaments being canceled and all that, if there was ever a time for the for these guys to do right by these kids, it's now with this waiver process and just saying, dude, okay, we know this, this rule is going to go into effect next year anyway. Screw it. Let's just – if they have even a slightly legitimate argument about why they want to transfer somewhere, just – 
let's let them through, and by this time next year, we won't even have to worry about waivers. So, yeah, I, I think that's where I stand with it. I think I think Kentucky's feeling optimistic, not you know like it's a guarantee, but I think that they're slightly optimistic, and you know I we'll see how it goes. We'll we'll learn a whole lot more. I think next week on May twentieth is when they're voting uh, on the instant transfer rule. By then, it wouldn't even matter matter about the waiver if if they pass that now. Um, but at the very least, we'll we'll be waiting throughout the summer on on this waiver process and seeing how things go on that front. Okay, um, we've gone through all of our topics, but I asked uh, you know for some mailbag questions on Twitter. Uh, we can kind of rapid fire these things before we call it a show. Um, Justin Tucker asks, what's going on with Kaminga? Also, when the transfer rule changes, over under three transfers a year for Kentucky. Travis, I want you to answer that question about Jonathan Kaminga because I, I know you just love answering those questions. Oh, Lord. Uh, I don't mind answering questions to Jonathan Kaminga for 2021, but the reclass to Kentucky for next year seems to be out the window and seems to have been that way for a while. I would be floored if he came to Kentucky this year. And at the same time, I'm almost to the point where with this G League option that, like, I wouldn't be mature maker surprised. Like, it wouldn't surprise me that much. But I would be a little bit surprised if he ends up going the college route whenever he comes up. Because I think that he's got a pro body. I think that he's got the following. Um, there's like a cult Jonathan Kaminga following, it seems like. <laughs> and I think – I don't really know, honestly, who leads in his recruitment right now. It's been super quiet. Nobody really even knows if he's going to stay 2021 or 2020 or if he's going to reclass in 2020. And then um, nobody really knows what they're thinking in terms of the G League. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to, interesting to watch. But I would play – I'd be comfortable putting quite a bit of money on him not being at Kentucky yeah. this season. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty sassy about that as well. Uh, David, you can answer that that transfer rule part. How many transfers a year are we going to see at Kentucky if this thing goes through? Man, this may be a uh, – you know, this may set some precedent. I know we're going to see a grad transfer, uh, you know, and almost you feel like you're going to see a grad transfer post almost every year. And we, but we've said that. Uh, I think, and it's going to be interesting to see too how once the one-time deal is done, how that affects it. If you have as many, because it's almost out of hand now. You've got like a thousand kids transferring a year, and there's only like I don't know, there may be four thousand college basketball players in Division One. You've got at least twenty-five percent going in the transfer portal. So yeah. I don't know how that'll change it, but I think. Yeah, I think you're going to see at least two or three, especially with a lot of the, the one-and-doneers that you normally get going on to the NBA after they can do that. I think it changes things. And, and uh, you know, if he can get guys that don't have to sit out, you know, I think he goes that route. And who knows? He may look at more uh, development, a developmental type of deal where he can say, hey, this guy's got a lot of potential. We can get him in here, set him out for a year. And you look up in two years, you got a ball player on your hand. So I, I think there's no doubt he's changing his uh, recruiting strategy a little bit. So I, I think it's obviously a thing we're going to see uh, pretty consistently here. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan asked, how good do you all think DeAndre Williams is? Would he have made that big a, of a dif- difference? Uh, I, you know, I, I think all of us are kind of in agreement that he's a hell of a player. I mean, he's a you know an instant impact type guy, but I think all of it – 
boils down to his demands and how much he wants out of this and, and you know, shots and, and opportunities and, and that kind of stuff, you know, you can you can be the best player on the floor, but if it kind of – you know, if it's a trickle-down effect into the, into the locker room, I mean, how much better does he actually make things um, – at Kentucky. That, I think that's the biggest question, and I think that's part of the reason why things are trending away from Kentucky, 100%. So, yeah, I, I I am a big fan of DeAndre Williams as a player. I think wherever he goes is going to get one heck of a basketball player, but um, I, I just think as of right now, I don't know if, if Kentucky was the best fit. Um, do you, Wildcat Wave, do you – think our roster is full since we pretty much have everyone we need we both we you know all three of us have kind of gone in on that already and think yeah i, I think uh, as of today if olivier sar is eligible i think it's a you know one of the most complete rosters calipari's had in a really long time top to bottom depth at every single position you know youth you know grad transfers older guys i mean i think there's a there's a solid mix of of pretty much everybody on the roster i like it a lot um do we close out with another big blue t- blue tash uh, nine? Um, I I think I think we're gonna say no on that. I think Kentucky is gonna close it out with where things go. Um, is UK John P Ryan is UK going to offer any more twenty twenty one kids? Most likely. I mean, I think they've set their um, their foundation pretty strong. I think Jaden Hardy is is uh, ready to go for Kentucky. I think Brandon Huntley Hatfield is gonna end up reclassing going going to Kentucky. I think Paolo Bancaro is is leaning toward Kentucky right now. So one, you have that strong base with those three, and then from there. Um, I don't know. We'll kind of turn this into a, a quick question for you guys. Travis, are there any other 2021 guys that you think uh, deserve an offer from Kentucky would be a solid fit with the other pieces that they're kind of um, interested in? I'm telling you one guy that I'm really, really high on that's under the radar. That's a three star, but he's got high four star, low five star offer list. that's starting to really blow up. Would have blown up a lot during the AAU sessions this summer. Unfortunately, there isn't any, but that's the, David Davy Jones, he's from West Virginia. He's Valley Christian. He visited Kentucky unofficially this past year. Mm-hmm. He's six six. He's strong, super strong. Um, wing player can score. Shot like forty percent from outside. Lefty uh, can shoot from mid range. He the reason he's so lowly rated is because there's not too much uh, like scouts haven't got to see him too much because he's from the Dominican Republic. But he absolutely spanked. Jamin Brakefield last year in an individual <laughs> matchup. Uh, so bad that they had to switch Brakefield off of him after he scored 11 straight on him. And Oof. I think that he's got offers from Louisville, from Pitt, uh, Oregon, uh, Houston. He's got like nine offers right now. And that's going to be somebody to watch. And I know Kentucky's wanting to see him in person. So I, I would, I think that's going to be a, I think that's going to be one to watch coming up. Um, blue man fan, uh, is his ad is James Cameron. Can I, can I add one to that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Um, I think a guy that I've probably watched and, and kind of waited for more than any of them is, is Frank Kepman. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, rivals has got him ranked number 29. You know, they've been in to see him and watch him a little bit. So that's a guy that, that, that we might look for as they try to go into the post. But I'm going to tell you one that you talk about the three guys that are likely. I'm going to throw a scenario here, uh, and, and the timing's good on it. Matt McClung, uh, there's been a lot of talk about him, uh, the guard from Georgetown that has uh, that's going to transfer about going to uh, Tennessee. And if he does that, 
Uh, I think that pretty well uh, from, from a couple of people I've talked to kind of might take Tennessee out of the loop. Many people think they're the favorite with Kennedy Chandler. And if that's the case, then Chandler could, could really be a take for Kentucky. He's already got an offer. Uh, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him and Piallo uh, Bencaro playing together. That would only leave Kentucky and Duke as the two teams that are, that are, that are finalists for both players who have both offered. So that's one to watch, man. If Matt McClung goes to Tennessee, I think Kenny Chandler overnight, Kentucky might be the favorite. Man, that's – Interesting. I didn't. I you know I, I heard the Mac McClung rumors with Tennessee, but I didn't even you know connect the dots of Mac McClung stays. Well, well, he'll he would have to sit next year, won't he? Um. Well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he, take, he, technically, he's yes. freshman of the year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was about to say he's. There's no way he would stay more than one season in Tennessee. I feel like. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, David, this one's for you. Blue Man fan is, is at his James Cameron. <laughs> Do you think our volleyball team could win a championship very soon? <laughs> well, that's a Cameron crazy question. Um, the volleyball team, uh, men's or women's? <laughs> the, the women's volleyball team at UK. Of course. <laughs> give me uh, didn't, give, they, didn't they just get the number one recruiting class? They did, they did. But uh, but I just want to know, David, what's your uh, what's your scouting report of the volleyball team? Who's who's your favorite player? The one that, uh, the one that spikes the most. Uh, I like to watch the spikes. <laughs> okay, I like the libero. I like the ones that dig. Yeah, look at you throwing out libero and big you know hey. big boy volleyball terms. You know what you're talking about. Um, the first part of that question was uh, you think we're still going to add another player even if Williams doesn't work out because of what Keon said, uh, Keon Brooks Senior said, which is kind of interesting. We didn't really talk about that. How they, I think, I think th- he assumed that that was uh, that that was Frank Anslem. Um, I, have, I haven't talked to him specifically, but I, I think that's the timing works with with that. So I don't think I don't. I'm think tell you, if I was, if, if all I've talked about post, if I'm Keon Brooks Senior, I'm hoping they don't have. Yeah, no kidding. He he definitely seemed eager to add another front court player. When well, I guess I wouldn't be scared of Frank Anslem coming to take my minutes either. So. You know, with with all due respect. So, um, do 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 going down the list. Cubs fan 03 says, "Who do you think Kentucky adds for the 2022 class?" Uh, Travis, I'll give you the spotlight here because you've done a ton of awesome work for, you know, for that class. For 2022, I think the staples for that class. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, I think he's going to reclassify to 2021. I think that Scott Clark is will be a part of Kentucky's class in 2022. I think that's going to be a guy that they really build around. I think him and Jaden Bradley could play together and be a – I think they're trying to sell them on being John Wall and Eric Bledsoe backcourt. And the thing is, they neither one of those guys have offers yet. Those offers will come out here, I'd say, around June. Calipari usually likes to offer the sophomores around then. Um, I think that Sada – uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, honestly. Nganga. Yeah. Um, I think that he would be a possibility, but it's he's made it clear, like, if pros are an option, I'm going pro. And But he said that UK is his dream school over and over again. So, 
Yeah. Um, with the rel- honestly, it's a little bit too far to in advance to tell exactly who. Because I mean, a couple of years ago, what Kentucky perceived as the 2020 class, there's gonna be a lot of movers. Like there's gonna be a guy in this class from the 90s come up in the top 10 and commit to a blue blood. Yeah. It happens every year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bow to Coach Cal says, with the revelation of Duke and Zion money situation, do you think Duke will have to play more cautious with recruiting, which in turn will help Kentucky going against them in future recruiting battles? Travis. Uh, Can you repeat that question? With the revelation of Duke and Zion money situation, do you think Duke will have to play more cautious with recruiting, which in turn will help uh, Kentucky going against them in future recruiting battles? Well, I think that the only guys since Capel has left that uh, Duke has beat them head-to-head for is possibly Vernon Carey, right? Since since Capel left? Yeah. And Vernon Carey was a Duke lock since he was in Pampers. So, I think that when – I think when Capel left that that really turned the tide back toward Kentucky yeah. between those two schools and recruiting. We're going to figure out a lot next year because you got Paulo, you got – Kendi Chandler, you got a couple other guys that are listing both of those schools. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think this right here is where Joel Justice um, it has made his money over and over again with with, with the 2021-2022 class and even flirting with, with 2023. I think, think Coach Cal's kind of said – Joel, I want you to be our young guy. I want you to go in there and and you know establish relationships with with all of the young up and coming players. Get to know them, know who they are, know where they're leaning, and all that. And uh, I think he's done a hell of a job of of kind of establishing those relationships, building building the foundation with with those guys in, in the future classes. I think he's done a phenomenal job with with Jaden Hardy. I think they've built up a phenomenal relationship for like a year and a half now. I mean, it's been a long time coming. You know, you look at Sky Clark. You look at Jaden Bradley. You just look, you know, Paolo. You know, I, I know Paolo's with with uh, Tony Barbie, and and you know, other coaches are doing a great job too. But UK has done a phenomenal job looking ahead to to future classes compared to what they have in the past. And I think just because of that, they're already going to overtake Duke again uh, in the head to head head to head battle on top of whatever comes from this uh, this Zion stuff. Uh, we'll just do a couple more here. Um, what role will Cameron Fletcher play on this team? Any chance he redshirts? That come from Ethan McKinney. Uh, d- David, we'll go with you on that one. I think there is a possibility. Uh, of course, he's going to be looking at probably playing at three spot. Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting because uh, you know, you've kind of got Dante Allen in there too, and he, he's trying to get into the mix. So it, it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, but I think that is a possibility. I was even told that, to be honest, I haven't said much about it, but I, I've even been told that when he last summer when he committed that uh, you know he may have, he's going to have to make some improvements you know, to really get out on the floor. So I think he's the guy that, and we've talked about this, but guys are going to have to have patience uh, in this program uh, and uh, understand that they've got to play their way up through. They've got to be the breakout guy. They've got to work their way through the roster and uh, find playing time on the floor. And they can't be impatient. They can't be like a Khalil Whitney and expect to be out for uh, and to step right in and be the star. You know, they're going to have to work. And uh, I think he definitely falls into that category. 
Well, I completely agree. Okay, we will end it with this final question, who, which I, I believe is the, the best question of them all. This comes from Ryan Lemon's Hair Plugs. He says, who would win an arm wrestling match, Travis Graff or David Sisk? I will let either of you answer that question and uh, debate I'll, one another. I'll go with David because he's got that old man's strength. <laughs> <laughs> David, what's your rebuttal? Well, uh, first of all, I, I wanted to say one thing on the last question. I fully expect with all this going on with Duke for Elon to get put on probation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, to, to answer this part, I am not going to sit here and settle for being the old man for this show. I hope you know that I ran four miles today before we uh, came on the show. Well, I take that back. I ran four miles and then went to Chick-fil-A before uh, <laughs> we came on the show. So I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking a back seat, man. You want to know, know how dedicated I am, David? I've been doing twelve ounce curls since we started recording. <laughs> well, you probably would win. You probably would win. Twelve ounce curls. You know, yeah. You can't. Hey, you know when you uh, when you start fooling around with drunks, you know they don't know their own strength. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, that is that is plenty for this show. Uh, uh, David, I usually start with Travis, but David, where can fans find your work? Uh, Cats Illustrated and Coach David Sisk on Twitter. Uh, Travis and I have got a, a lot going on right now. We just did a mailbag and, and kind of really blew up on Rivals. They really promoted it, so we were excited about that. But Travis, when uh, when are we looking at uh, when DeAndre Williams makes his decision? Kind of, yeah. You need to inform me too about exactly what we're story we're working on with that and when that will be up. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kind of detail from start to finish what happened along the recruitment of Frank Anselm and uh, DeAndre Williams, both before and after the Olivier Sar commitment. So. That'll be that'll be interesting for both of our points of views. So that'd be a pretty cool piece. And then yeah, you can find me, the uh, sources say arm wrestle champion on Twitter at TravGraf underscore rivals. And you can find my other podcasts on all podcast platforms. Uh Cat Scan Podcast with a K. We had five star Kentucky signee Justin Rogers on there tonight. So get, got a cool interview up with him. Go check it out. We'll follow both of their their work on, on Cats Illustrated and on Twitter. They do phenomenal work. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Uh, you can reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. And with that, we will be back next week for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Yeah.